This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. for must be five months I fell in the kitchen and broke my ankle as everybody knows but I'm back in my wedges yeah so there's a chance I may fall over and break it again but when I was away and you know when you're, you're stuck I mean and I'm not normally in the house an awful lot I love to be out normally shopping I've got to admit that's what I normally do so I did go to God and I said what is it exactly that you want to tell me? Um, is there anything, have you put me in this position for me to, well, not, no, am I in this position, rather, for me to hear something from you? And he led me to a book I've had, must be for 25, 30 years. And I opened it, and it went to Sons of God. And I thought, right, well, let me read it. And it sparked a whole thought process in me about what it is to be a child of God. So, do you know who you are? Who do you think you are? Because when we think of a child of God, normally we're told how much we're loved, how much God does for us, how much grace is shown on us. It's all about this God coming on me. And that's what we stress. God is with you. God is for you. But we don't stress what he's done in us. What exactly he's given me inside of me to be a child. My children are not my children only because I've done things for them. And because I love them. And because I give to them. And because they can call in and see me. They're my children because my DNA runs through them. You, do you see? So being part of a family, being adopted, it's not just about what's done for you. It's about what's placed inside of you. That's what family is, in the broader sense. That's what genetics is. And we are family in Christ. And that Christ in us is so powerful, it blows your mind. In the Old Testament, God was, the name for God was Holy, Yahweh. So holy, they couldn't even speak the name out loud. So, the name of God in the New Testament is, anybody tell me? I think we're all Christians here at the moment. No? 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 The <laughs> name of God in the New Testament is Father. Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father. So until we see God as Father and we're part of that family, we have a dilemma. We live in, so there's the flesh family and there's the spiritual family. And it depends which way we think up here that determines our behavior. So let me give you this quote I read. I don't know who wrote it. It's about our identity. Identity is the key to who you believe yourself to be. We all have a certain image of ourselves. 
beliefs about the kind of person we are, but having a strong sense of identity seems to be desirable. Something that brings comfort and security. Identity also helps us to make decisions and to know how to behave. Isn't that amazing? That's just through their identity. So what's your identity in Christ? And that's what I want to speak about. So if we start there, this is my underpinning verse. 1 John 4, verse 17. This, of all the Bible, is my favorite chapter in Scripture. I love 1 John 4. It's all about God's love. But 1 John 4. Right. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. This is the verse. In this world, we are like Jesus. That's a huge statement to make, isn't it? In this world, we are like Jesus. But what I'd like to show you is how much we are like Jesus. And this is what's been put inside of us. Turn the page. Here we go. So number one. Jesus had a miraculous birth, yeah? So have you. So have you. But let me start with this. We preach. I've been in prayer meetings years ago where we prayed. Can I just talk to you? Because you're all Christians. Can I just chat? You know, I'm preaching. Now, years ago, I was in prayer meetings, and we'd pray and pray and pray for power. Anybody been in prayer meetings like that where we'd pray for power? More power to do this, more power to do that. We needed power. We needed to be endued with power. We needed to be filled with power. We needed power. You've got power. You are powerful. And that's the key to believing who you are in Christ. Because I'm looking for my verses. I'm giving them to Lee. I don't think I've got them. Right. Jesus was the most powerful person ever to walk the earth. But he wasn't powerful because he wielded power. Are you with me? We think of power as being some sort of ninja, sword-wheeling beings that are going to walk about in a supernatural stupor, slaying demons, preaching, and everybody's... We think of it in this crazy, bonkers way that that's what power is. Power isn't that. Christ was the most powerful person that's ever walked the earth. And if you read about him, read the Gospels and the way he walks off those pages to you, his power in wisdom. He could speak to people and silence them, not by being aggressive, Not by being sarcastic, not by being difficult, simply by being wise, you know. Should I pay Caesar taxes? What you got in your hand? Caesar's head. Render to Caesar what's Caesar's, to God's what's God's. Silence them. Who's my neighbor? You know, you're saying love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? Story of the Good Samaritan. His wisdom was supreme. He didn't wield power. He was powerful. He was so powerful in mercy. 
Your mercy is the most powerful thing you can give somebody. You know? He didn't judge people. Mercy, says, holds back the hand of judgment. The thing about mercy, if you look in the dictionary, it says that it is when somebody with authority can punish you for the wrong you've done, but chooses to release you. That's mercy. That's what God did for us. And that, therefore, is how we behave, isn't it? When I show mercy to people, when I could really go to town and tell people what you are really like, but I choose not to say anything. When I can take something done to me and say, let it go. Do not repay evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. This is power. This is real power. You know? It's not this supernatural nonsense that sometimes we talk about. It is simply knowing who you are and being able to get that power that's in you because you are powerful. As I said, you've had a miraculous birth. Jesus had a miraculous birth. So have you. So have you. The word used for the new birth in Scripture is bara, B-A-R-A. There's only one other time it's used in the whole of the Bible, and that's in Genesis, when it says God created out of nothing, and that is bara, to create out of nothing. You are a miracle in itself. You have been given, you're not of the old nature, you have a new nature. God made everything new in you. The power is phenomenal. You have a new nature. You've been given the Holy Spirit to live within you. The Holy Spirit, which is the DNA of Christ, now dwells in you. Christ himself dwells in you. That always blows me away. I can never believe God lives in me. But I've got to, because otherwise I give up the power of knowing, don't I? Can you see? God lives in you by his spirit. You have been born, not of the will of men, but by God. The power that there is from God. You have been anointed. Jesus was anointed. You are anointed to do good works, to go out and do good works. You've been gifted, just like Christ was. I've got verses for all these if you want them later. You are a phenomenon. There's no need praying for more power. We are powerful. And when we believe that we're powerful, not in the ninja way, not in the slaying way, but being able to do what God wants me to do, that's real power. To be able to say no to the flesh and yes to God. To, to do what God has put you on this earth to do, to become what God wants you to become, that's where power lies. That's where the church gets its power from when we are different in this world. It takes huge power to be different, massive power to be different. It? We all want to fit in. We all want to be part of something. We all want to belong. But which family do you want to belong to? Do you want to belong to the family of the flesh? Or do you want to belong to the family of the spirit? Yeah. Are you with me? Am I making sense? Because, you know, I, I think that we just don't get it somehow. We don't realize who we are. We don't realize what we've been given. We don't understand 
how much this is within me in jars of clay I carry this treasure which is the spirit of God the gospel it's phenomenal you've been given glory that's the treasure in jars of clay just like Christ when he was up in the mountain showed his glory it's in us and we let it out of us it can come out of us See, in the Old Testament, it came on them, didn't they? They reflected the glory. But the glory's in us. That's why we can let our light shine. That's why we can be a ray of lights where we go. Because now it's in us. I don't have to rely on anything coming on me. It is there within me. Somebody told me this week that um, she was um, thinking about names and how God changes people's names. When she asked God... What would you give me as a new name? And she went back to um, Job's youngest daughter after he went through all his troubles. I'd never heard of her. Well, he had three, she said, and they were this, this, and this. I didn't know their names. I have to admit, I did not know the names of Job's daughter. And it was Ray of Light. And she said she changed her name to Ray of Light. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what we're meant to be in this world. And it's all in us. We don't have to ask for more power to be it. We are it. And it's phenomenal. It so made me think differently about who I am. You know, instead of asking, oh, you know, no, I'm saying, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't pray. Right? I am not saying don't pray. You know, but... You know, this, the, the idea that I haven't got it and I can't be it, if you're a Christian, is totally wrong because you've got it and you can be everything God says you can be and you can be a ray of light in a dark world simply because the Holy Spirit lives within you and you give him room. That's what it's about. And you have this amazing power, the same power that raised Christ from the grave, now lives in me. Wow. The same power that raised Christ from the grave lives in you. Can you be, We know it, which is why I said, if you ask, ask anybody, do you believe you're a child of God, we'll all say yes. Shirley shouted out, blessed, didn't she? I'm a child of God. You know? Yes, I know it. But does it affect the way you live your everyday life? Does it, does it input into the way you live? Do you live out of the fact of what God has put in you as well as the fact of what he gives you? Because most of us live in what he gives us, isn't it? And we rely on having his love, and his, which is lovely. But when we work, we have to rely on what's put in us. Yeah? You with me? Yeah. You're looking at me as if I'm talking rubbish. <laughs> So all that is, for me, a phenomena, because it makes me think about me in the best way possible. It makes me examine myself. It makes me see how much of my time is spent doubting that I can be what God says I can be. How much of my time has been spent wishing my life away. What does somebody say? We've got plenty of wishbone, but not a lot of backbone, you know? It's, 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 it's the wishing I can be different and the wishing I could do that and the hoping and the praying and all these things 
when really he's given it to me to live out. Right? You are powerful. And if the church only knew how powerful it was, we would change the world. If we only knew what we really were called to, if we only knew, if we could only grasp, we do know, but if only we could grasp it, if only we could see it, if only we could get it, that how powerful we are because Christ is in us. We could change the world. We could change the world. Do you agree with me? As Christians of long years standing, most of you, do you agree that we can change the world when once we realize, do you know what? We can do it. Instead of doubting, we can do it. We believe we can do it. Instead of doubting that preaching will not work out there, we believe that the word of God does bear fruit and will not return to him void. Instead of doubting that the, that the that Armenford can be changed, we believe, yeah, it can be changed. Why? Because God is more powerful than anything else that's in there. Can you believe that what's in you is more powerful than what's in the world? So that when you walk out, you can be a ray of light there? Can we believe all this? Because it's faith. Faith that God answers, not need. See, we bring all the needs to God. All the needs to God. Great. You know, bring the needs to God. But basically, if you don't believe it can be done, he's not going to do it. So if you look at Armanford and doubt... Nothing can be done out there. You know, we take the, the kids that Andrew was speaking about, you know, that will come here on their bikes and they're troublesome. If we never believe they'll be changed, they won't be changed. They might have a need, but God responds to the faith of the Christian to believe that that's what, he, through us, can be done. So can we pray in faith for them? Are you getting it? You know, I live with so much doubt of what can, what's able to be done out there. And yet, you know, the gospel is going to go on. People are going to be saved. The elect are going to come in. Why can't it be in Armenford? Why not Armenford? If it's happening everywhere else, why not Armenford? If it's happening in Bradford, why not Armenford? If it's happening in Cardiff, why not Armenford? Why not here? And is it because we don't believe we've got the power to do it? That we're waiting for the big thing to happen. We're waiting for that preacher. We're waiting for the worship. We're waiting for everything. And God says, get on with it. I've given you everything you need. Get on with it. Believe that you can do it through us. Can we believe it? Can we believe it? Because that's what will get it done. When the disciples preach, this is nothing to do with what I've got written down there. None of this. Lead on us for these after. It's not down there. But when Peter preached, he got up and just preached. 3,000 were saved. Why? Because Peter knew Christ. He knew who he was in Christ and he could preach the gospel and believe. Paul says, I don't come with clever words anymore. I don't come with clever words. I come with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's what we need. We need a belief in ourselves that God has put us here for such a time as this, and this church can change Armenford. And if we don't believe it, do you know what? We may as well shut the church doors and leave. Because we're nothing but a society. A lovely little society meets every now and again. And there's a good time having cake and coffee. 
not enough. Not enough for me anymore. Not enough. You know, we can change the world. We're powerful enough to change the world. And why can't it start in Armaford? It's meant to start in your Jerusalem, so why can't it start here? Yeah? So all we're with me, say amen. amen. Good. But, spiritual checkup. Three things have to happen as a result of knowing who you are, of knowing how powerful you are, of knowing what the Spirit gives you, of knowing how called you are in Christ, of knowing how gifted. And this is nothing to do with pride. This is absolute humility because this is all about God. This is all about him and what he does. Number one, in Luke, Jesus has disappeared. His parents are looking for him. They're on their way home after being to the Passover. Jesus is nowhere to be seen. So they go looking for him. And they find him. And it, it took a day to find him. I mean, if your child's been missing for a day, you're pretty frantic, aren't you? And he's in the temple teaching. And when they see him, they said, why did you do this to us? Why did you do it to us? And he says, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And they were puzzled by it. I was amazed at that. That Mary and Joseph were puzzled by it. They'd seen miracles. She'd had a virgin birth for heaven's sake. It's no bigger miracle. But she puzzled at this. I was amazed. But Jesus puts it in the New Testament in a different way. And it's, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And in order to get... All of what I've just said happen. We have to put away the all the other things. We spend a lot of time thinking about all the other things. Well, I do. And this is one thing that God's convicted me of. I love going on holidays. I'm going on holidays on Wednesday, just for you to know. And um, I'm just saying, just saying. And I hate it. I love it. I love it. But I hate it in a way because your mind is taken up with it. Isn't it? Your mind is taken up with going away. And you're thinking about going away. And clothes to go away. And this go away. It's all about going away. And it takes up a lot of your time. And very often that's what our lives like. It takes up a lot of our time thinking about the things that concern us. Hmm? I know it does. So you needn't all just sit there looking at me as if I'm not seeing through. We all get taken up with things that concern us. Right? Whether it's family, whether it's finances, whether it's jobs, whether it's relationships, whether whatever it is, we get a lot of taken up, taken about the, all the other things. But Jesus says, if you seek the kingdom first, you can forget about the other things. In other words, you take care of my business and I'll take care of yours. This is a divine exchange that happens for the Christian. All right? You don't have, don't have to worry about all the other things if you're taking care of God's business. This is the, the flip side. But we ask, well, how can I take care of, you know, do we know what taking care of his business is? Do we know? What's your prayer life like? You're praying about you, what you need, what you want, what you think. Worry prayers? I pray worry prayers. Anybody pray worry prayers? Ooh, I don't get all panicky. Worry prayers. 
Are we praying, like Andrew said last time, um, you know? If you do this, can you help my family? Because if you do that, I won't worry anymore. You know? Can you give me this? Because if you do that, well, I'll be much happier. Can you do this? Because if you can answer that prayer, oh, well, you, you know, life would be much easier for me. The years I prayed for my husband to be saved so that life would be easier for me is shameful, to be honest. But that's the truth. Get him saved, oh, life will be easy. Is that what your prayer life is like? Because that's worrying about all the other things. Or do we pray for God's glory? Do we pray? Do you know what? More than anything in this world, I want to see you glorified. Because when he's glorified, he'll draw everything else in. Isn't that amazing? If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. So when you lift him, he does everything else for you. But we spend so much time worrying about all the other things. So if we change it around... Let's pray about things of God. About two years ago, this came about, about two years ago, we were walking through here, and the youth had put up, I don't know if you remember some of you, um, a table and put your prayer requests in it as you came in. And I was walking in through the door, and I heard it. And don't sometimes you hear God as clear as a bell, don't you? It just drops in. And I knew. God said, right, oh, I heard it. Seek first the kingdom of God, all other things will be added. And I couldn't write anything down but God's glory. Now, that's not to brag. It's just to say that God wants us to seek his kingdom first, and then you'll have all the other things. But we're like King Saul. We chase donkeys when we've been offered the kingdom. All of us want to see Ammon for changed. Right? All of us. Not the person here would say they don't want to see Ammon for changed. I want to see people saved, family, friends, difficult, whatever, whoever. But it takes putting God first, you know, and not praying. Sometimes you can pray, get them saved. So it shows that I'm right. No, that'll prove that God's God. Our thinking is warped a little bit. But seek his kingdom, and then we get it. And he's given us the power to be able to do that. To be able to do that. To be able to say no to these flesh things in our life. And say yes to the spirit that always wants to glorify Christ. With me? Yeah. Number two. Jesus went away. For years people preached. I think they still do. We need to get up early in the morning to preach. Oh, the guilt that gave me. Because I'm not a morning person. So you struggle to get up and you can't pray because it, nothing happens with me first thing in the morning. I could just sit and have two cups of coffee before I can move. You know, so you've got this, you know, you've got to get up early, you've got to start the day and it was, this is how it must be done. And if you want to see God move in your life, this is how it must be done. But there's a verse in scripture that says, early in the morning, Jesus went back to the disciples. Jesus had been praying at night. So that released the burden on me. Because Jesus is a night person and a morning person. So we're all included. That's why we're like him, you see. So we're all included in him. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus is a night and a morning person. So what's your relationship like? What's your relationship when you're alone like? Because come in here, I mean you're all Christians of long standing. So I'm preaching to the converted, I know. Come in here isn't enough. 
If you think you can learn everything you want to learn by coming to church on a Sunday morning, you're sadly mistaken. It's not enough. Wednesday night is not enough. Fellowship is not enough. And things you do with other people is not enough. Church isn't enough. It's a very good thing and don't stop doing it, but it's not enough. Be alone with Jesus. Be alone with him. Talk to him. Read about him. Think about him. Meditate on him. Tell him you love him. Be alone with him. That's where you get the relationship. A husband and wife can't spend all their time with family and friends. You have to spend time alone. God, I'm afraid. That's it. <laughs> but if you want closeness, you have to be alone with somebody. That's how you really get to know them. Do you know? So coming here isn't enough. It's not enough if there's nothing behind it. It's not enough if you haven't got a relationship at home where you're talking to him. Find where you can talk to him. There's loads of ways. Some people say, go out, you know, walk, and you get close to God. It doesn't work for me, but it might work for you. That's where you might talk to him, you know? For me, it's always by reading scripture. That's the way I get close to him. But that's just my way. But find a way, because coming here isn't enough. It's not enough for anybody to just come here. Never enough. He wants you to be with him. He wants you to know him personally for you. And the third thing is be a witness. Jesus said you'll be witnesses. Not do witnessing. Be a witness. Be a real light. Because you see, if you're somebody who's totally hooked on what they need in life, you're not a good witness. All you'll talk about is your lack. Hmm? If you're always, if, if you're hooked on your needs, you'll just show people you have a lack. And the child of God does everything. Hmm? If you're sad, and I don't mean unhappy. Unhappiness for a reason is different. But if you're a miserable Christian, who wants to be like you? Hmm. Who wants to be around a right old misery? You know, let's be honest. You know, they, you know, they roll their eyes and say, oh, here she comes again. Who wants to be that type of Christian? Hmm? A right misery, a moaner, always complaining. Don't witness if you're like that. Please don't witness. Don't witness if you're drunk. None of it doesn't apply to us here. But I used to tell the youth years ago, please don't witness when you're out in the club on Saturday night, drunk. Please don't say anything. You know? Be a witness, be a ray of light, be a Ken. Be like Ken, as Phil said. Be kind, be encouraging, be nice. Just be a Christian and what people expect Christians to be like, you know? Nobody wants to know you if you're gossipy, miserable, complaining, immoral. Who wants to be like you? But when you're like Jesus... When the power within us has so informed us of what he's like and we can be like him, I'm convinced we can change the world. I'm convinced the Christian is put on this earth to change the world. What other reasons are there just for me to get to heaven? Hmm? I'm convinced we can change Ramonford. I'm convinced we can do it. But it takes us knowing who we are and being determined to put his kingdom first. Yeah? yeah?
So we have a choice. We can either be part of the flesh family, where we do our own thing, basically, you know, give in to every need of the flesh, or we can be part of the spiritual family, where God informs us, and we do the things that he wants us to do. The power within you. Craig Rochelle says something like this. We haven't always got the power to control, but we always have the power to surrender. So we can surrender to God. All those things, you know, that keep us away from him. Because the power within us is greater than anything else, because it's the power of God. And that's who we are. We are powerful. I wish I could get it even more, but God's beginning to work it into me. That, yeah, we can do it. We can do it if we believe it. It takes faith. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.